a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. The Greenhouse Show on KSL News Radio. Good morning. Thank you for joining us for the KSL Greenhouse. Maria Shaleos, Tom Bettis with you. We are taking your calls, 801-575-8255. Text us your questions at 57500. Next listener, Tom says their neighbor planted rye grass. What are the benefits of that type of grass, if there are any? Rye grass is super soft and usually darker green than other turf grasses. And so I have a section of rye grass in my lawn, I've purposely planted Kentucky bluegrass, ryegrass, and fescue in different areas so that I could just observe them over a long period of time. And I have found that the ryegrass is also the one that's kind of the least durable of them as far as just kind of a low-maintenance lawn. Ryegrasses need to be reseeded. They're top dressed with new seed every couple of years. You can't miss fertilizations because it's a bunch grass to keep it thick. And if ryegrass gets damaged, it takes longer to repair unless you put more seed out. But with that being said, if you will water your ryegrass twice a week, fertilize it two, two times a year and reseed it every other year, it is actually a very beautiful turf that the texture and look of it and this is me like philosophizing about turf grass here (laughs) i know i kind of sound like a little bit of a fool but the overall look and feel of ryegrass you can't beat it as compared to other turf grasses it look does it look like grass it looks and looks like kentucky bluegrass it's just slightly finer bladed and darker green Hmm. And it's a beautiful turf, but it just is one that you don't want to let it go because it's not as durable as Kentucky bluegrass or turf-type tall fescue. All right. Next listener says they have some mail-order bare-root raspberries uh, coming in early March. They doubt that their soil will be ready for them at this point, so they want to know how they will take care of those. They should come in shipping, I'm not going to say containers, but packaging that keeps the roots moist. Mm -hmm. So they'll be packed in plastic bags or some sort of wrapping around the roots. And in there, you'll have either shredded newspaper, peat moss, maybe potting soil that will be wet. And they will need to, they don't want it sopping wet, but the roots need to be kept wet or moist, and they need to be kept cool if they're dormant, like the roses, and you would plant those raspberries sometime in late March to early April. 
Okay. Next listener says the deer have eaten many of the small branches back on a four-foot apple tree that they planted last fall. Uh, Is there anything that they should do to help the tree? No, let it regenerate, but the deer are just going to keep doing it. And so they're going to need to exclude the deer from the tree. And you can do that using a number of methods, but they're most of them are exclusion to where you're putting T posts that will be eight feet out of the ground around the tree for the winter, especially into the spring when the deer are trying to rub velvet off so that the deer can't get to the tree. They can try the deer repellents that have things like hot, you know, pepper oil and clarified eggs and animal like leopard or coyote urine, that sort of thing. And those can be effective, but they need to be reapplied after every rain or snowstorm, or they need to be reapplied every week to three weeks, depending on the particular product. But for if they have an orchard area in their yard and they have deer problems, they may consider installing some sort of inexpensive fencing to keep the deer out. Yeah, it's been a tough year because uh, many of us are seeing deer that don't usually see deer in our yards. Yeah. I don't know if you noticed, I posted a video of uh, like a whole herd of deer that went through my yard this week. And I, One of my colleagues, uh, Melanie, who does her 4-H, uh, she will, her, the way our office is situated is that uh, we're our building is built into a hillside. Mm-hmm. So the front of our office is underground and the backside has an incredible view of the mountains, but there's an area out our office window that's fairly secluded. And there's a herd of deer that just, that's where they park is outside of our office. And there's one that'll sit next to the window and just watch your work. <laughs> and that's what it does during the day while it's chewing its cud. It's and, learning. Yes. You don't know what that's learning, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's been a problem. But do they eat, I mean, obviously they've gone after the apple tree, but they'll eat just about anything. They, they will. When the, the more hungry they get, the more they will sample things they normally wouldn't. And when you see deer eating spruce and pines, you know that they're starving because they normally don't browse on those very readily. Some of the pines they will, but especially spruce, Mm -hmm. they won't touch. And when you see them eating the spruce needles, they are hungry. Poor deer. Uh, Next listener says, if you need to spray the bindweed in your lawn, like you mentioned, how far before or after can you use fertilizer? Or can you do them at the same time? You can do them at the same time. All right. Sherry is on the line in Vineyard. Good morning, Sherry. When is your question? Hi. Um, I was wondering when the earliest that you can plant tomatoes with walls of water. I wouldn't get them out until early to mid-April. And Dave, I think you've done this in the past. Do you want to chime in on what you've done? He's running over here really fast, but... uh, the I've done of, this too, but you have to be really careful because if be it careful. gets hot, you need to make sure and open those things up or they'll just and if they grow above roast the t- your plant. Yeah, they can freeze. So Dave's our resident tomato grower, and he'll just chime in real quick on <laughs> I, he, I am the, the, the resident, resident tomato, tomato grower. grower. <laughs> so not true. <laughs> yeah, he, he has a little lean-to that he sleeps, and then he grows tomatoes during the <laughs> sem- summer in the triad center open areas. Yeah, I mean, I've started uh, tomatoes with walls of water as early as early, you know, first part of March. Mm-hmm. And 
as long Not as you don't year. get that super cold freeze. Because I think they say they, they protect down to something like 28. I think that's the, the advertising limit. They probably they may go a little colder than that. But, it, you know, as long as you don't get that super cold freeze, you can get a good start on it. But, it, you know, the soil temperature is so important, and it does correct that little greenhouse in there. But I don't know that you get the return, you know, on, on the plant, at least in my experience. Uh, you do get a head start, so as soon as the season gets going, you are there and ready. But they grow kind of slowly in that March period where, you know, it's, it's still getting so cold. cold yeah, I, Sheridan, I think, gets hers in the walls of water or similar. There's several companies making them in mid-April is when she does it. Yeah, and that's probably smarter. I, you know, I just kind of did it because I wanted to see it. I've done it a couple of times where they get them in in mid-March. And they're, they're fine. They survive. And and they are established when the warm weather hits. And, and it, it is a lot better than, you know, waiting until Memorial Day, which is what some people do for their tomatoes. So you, you don't really lose anything. But I don't think the gain is what you might expect it, it might be. Well, I remember planting them early in the year and I thought it was in mid to late March mm-hmm. when I put in walls of water and then I started picking in June. So that's going to depend on the yeah, varieties also. So say. early girl you could probably do that with or fourth of July is another one. But the short season tomatoes are the ones that if you get started that early, you may be picking, you know, by mid to late June into early July. But if you were doing, say, celebrities or some of the later varieties, it sometimes gets too hot. And even though the plants are sized up enough, a lot of their flowers will drop off and they start actually production of tomatoes about the same time as the ones planted in mid to late May. Yeah, where I do celebrities for the most part, uh, it really didn't get me tomatoes earlier. The plants were just maybe a little bit larger by that point, and that's really what I gained out of it. So, yeah, and so if you do that with your walls of water, I would really suggest planting them with early girl or 4th of July or other really short season ones so that you can get those early tomatoes. Okay, I can tell you how early. I had to look at my calendar. The earliest I've planted is April, like third week of April, and that's because that's when the tomato frenzy is. And so that's when I'm getting those plants uh, for a better price. And but and they do really well, at, you know, after, you know, mid-April. I'm just amazed that Maria is this organized and detail-oriented that she look can at my tell us though. when she planted. Well, because I couldn't remember. I'm like, well, when did I plant? Oh, right. That's impressive. After tomato frenzy. It's a good I, thing I have I those things. Came, I came late to the show this morning and I was wondering if you talked about when to prune peaches or Queen Anne cherries. Both of those will be mid-March. Thank you so Two much. Two more weeks, Sherry. And hopefully Patience some of that snow will be melted, right? <laughs> Thanks yeah. so much for your call this Thank morning. You. Number for you to call, folks, 801-575-8255. You can text us at 57500. Back with the final segment of the show, up next. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor... 
you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Good morning, and thank you for joining us for the KSL Greenhouse Show. Maria Shaleos and Ton Bettis with you this morning. Uh, the number to call, 801-575-8255. You can text us at 57500. Uh, next listener, Ton, says they moved into a two-year-old house in Eagle Mountain. Builders put in a tree in the front yard. It's still pretty new, and it's being supported with sticks in the ground. Now, the tree has leaves on half of the branches. Other half are bare, and they're, they're, they want to know, do you think it's dying? All they can do is get a knife and just carve on a really shallow angle under the bark and see if it's green underneath. Mm -hmm. And so if it's green underneath, I would leave it alone. But oftentimes if half the branches have leaves and half don't, the branches with the leaves are dead. Well, the branches with the leaves are dead. Yes. But our leaves didn't fall till really late and I still And that could be... Some, that's something they need to consider, and that's why they need to look under the bark in a few okay. spots to see if it's still green. Because if we get early frost and the trees haven't gone through the physiological process of actually causing the leaves to fall off, because it is a physical process that they go through, forming an abscission layer and you know getting all the nutrients out of the leaves they can and things – if they get frozen too early, the leaves will stick, but the limbs are still alive, but they can be dead too. All right. They say it's also, it appears the tree's growing at an angle and they're wondering if there's a way to straighten it out at this point. There is. They don't want to leave that tree staked too long because the tree becomes reliant on the stake. But if they wanted to pull it, if if the trunk is still pliable... They could put a stake in the ground and pull it back the direction they want it to grow, leave it in for a year, and then get the stake off. All right. MJ MJ is on the line in American Fork. Good morning, MJ. What is your question? Hello. Thank you for taking my call. I have a number of rose bushes that I got with my new property, and they're they're just too many, so I need to get rid of some of them. The problem is that they are like when with they're in one strip, one foot strip of ground between a sidewalk and a chain link fence. So I was just thinking about putting on, cutting them down and putting on like the uh, Roundup, but I'm not sure if that will work or, and then maybe um, only fall is a good time for that or what are, are your suggestions? What I would do is in a couple of weeks when we're a little warmer, so mid-March, cut those roses back and every time you make a cut, have somebody going behind you with concentrated Roundup and okay. dab each cane with just a drop of concentrated Roundup and leave those roses alone until May to see if anything comes up. If they do, you'll have to repeat the process. But if you just rip those out, you'll leave roots behind and you'll have a big mess. Right. Yeah, I can't rip them out because there's... I can't really get to the roots, so so just yeah. them off with con- the Roundup should hopefully do the trick. Yeah, that as soon as you make a cut, a little bit of concentrated Roundup on the cane, right. on every cane, and every you cane. might have to repeat that right. a couple times okay. to get them, but that will eventually get them. 
Okay, great. Thank you. I appreciate that a lot. Thank you for your call this morning. Uh, Next listener wants to know, do they need to prune buckthorn bushes? They have a row of them. They're hoping to grow them as a privacy shield. So if they don't need to prune them, it sounds like they don't want to. They don't need to. If they're getting a little wide or a little... You know, unkempt hair there. They can give them a light haircut. Will they grow faster if they do? Uh, they'll fill in more thickly oh, if they okay. do. So they may want to do so that. So if you then. give them a, just a really light, just tip prune an inch or two off the branches, that will force thicker growth. But you don't want to do that too often because you'll prune too far in and they won't have enough green growth to maintain them. And so just a couple of times to get them really bushy would be fine. All right. Debbie is on the line in Sandy. Good morning, Debbie. What is your question? My question is, my house faces north, and underneath the windows I have uh, three laurel bushes. And two of the laurel bushes look very happy, healthy, and and are growing well. But one of them has, like, uh, brown tips and just doesn't look... um, doesn't look like it's surviving. Maybe it's frostbitten or something. I'm wondering if there's anything I can do to make it healthy again or if I just need to replace it. Is it exposed to the sun more than the other two? No, not really. In fact, probably less. I, at this point, without seeing it, and if it's more gangly and just not growing as well, it there could be a lot going on. And so you could send some pictures to your extension office in Salt Lake and see if they could do anything with it or upload them to the Greenhouse Facebook page. And I could look at them there, but it sounds like it may need to come out and just put a new one in. Yeah. Okay. I may try the pictures first, but that's kind of what I was thinking as well. All Thank right. you. Debbie, if you send those, send them to our messenger, on messenger to Facebook. Uh, oh, on messenger. Okay. Yes. All right. Thanks. Uh, next listener, uh, there are a couple of listeners asking about uh, bindweed. Uh, they missed part of what you said about bindweed, um, spraying it. In the lawn. First in the of, lawn. First of all, in the lawn. There are many products containing an active ingredient called quinclorac. And it is one that it doesn't totally get rid of the bindweed, but it does a lot better job than anything else available. And so you can probably spray spring and fall, but uh, Ortho has a product called Roundup for Lawns. You've got to make sure that it has the quinclorac in there. There are some other ones out there, Q4 Plus, um, Images, All-in-One Lawn Weed Killer. Anything with the quinclorac in there it will reduce that bindweed by 60 70 80%. And you just spray every fall and it will keep it in check. But you don't put that in your garden. Okay. The second person was asking about in rocks where there's no turf or plants nearby. Then if there's nothing desirable there... In the spring or fall or both, a, a spray with quinclorac would be fine. Uh, next listener wants to know, can they take off half of the size of a dwarf spruce without killing it? No. If you cut into brown wood, it will damage it. And if you cut too far in, even if there's green needles, it won't generate any new growth. And the time to prune spruce is when the new growth is elongated but isn't hard yet. You cut about 40% off. Uh, next listener says they have a small decorative weeping cherry tree, has a couple of tall shoots coming out of the middle of the tree, and they're wondering, will those eventually start bending over like the lower part of the tree, or do they need to cut those off? It depends on if it is snow fountains, which is white. Mm-hmm. Those just need to come out. 
if it is a double weeping pink cherry, so if it's a pink one, then oftentimes those branches will come up and then bend over. But also on that double weeping cherry, it's really common at the graph point for the rootstock and the trunk to try to form a new regular cherry tree instead of the weeping. And so they need to be pruned out. But double weeping cherry commonly goes up and then bends over. But if they don't bend after a month or two, prune them out. Okay. Next listener is chiming in about the deer. And they say a DNR, DNR Division of Natural Resources, secret is uh, to keep the deer out is dial soap hung in a tree in a dirty, stinky sock. You ever heard that? I haven't, and it, it wouldn't harm anything to try. Um, but there's no science behind it. There's huh? not either. It's just that maybe the research hasn't been done. I mean, the dial soap's probably a buck or a buck fifty a bar, and maybe worth a shot. But you know, I don't if you know. Have a real problem? I would just try it just for try fun. it. It'd be cheaper than a lot of other things. I don't know that that's going to totally work, but it could. You know, it might just, just deter it. them. It might be like the pepper, just mm-hmm. kind of one of those things that's kind of off-putting to the yeah. deer. Yeah. And their sense of smell has to be pretty good, right? It does. And it, it may smell like humans. I, I don't know. Oh. Well, there's a thought. The soap along with the stinky sock smells like a, a dirty little boy or yes. something. <laughs> yes. A dirty, the dirty little boy's never, never Sorry, met a shower. Sorry, little that's... girl. Dirt... Yeah. Dave is shaking his head at me. Okay, sorry. It's just the image that was conjured in my head. Thank you. I have little boys, so, well, I did once anyway. All right. Thank you so much for joining us for the KSL Greenhouse. We will be back next Saturday, 8 to 11. If you miss the show, you're just chiming in or you're just joining us now, you can catch us on podcast as well, kslnewsradio.com on the podcast page. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.